Welcome to the Shift Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Friday, July 9th. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. You know, there's a saying, what can't go on forever won't. So the question is, how long can the powers that be actually keep this nutty thing going? Anyway, gold clawed back over $1,800 an ounce this week. It actually got above $1,817 yesterday, but hasn't been able to hold on to all of those gains. Gold was still above $1,800 an ounce when I started planning the podcast, but it actually dipped to $1,799 just a little while ago. But for now, it seems to have held the key $1,800 level. Uh, the last time I checked, we were at about $1,802 an ounce. Now, this week, we've seen a weaker dollar and falling bond yields, uh, and that's put a little tailwind behind gold. There's also been some safe haven buying because, quite frankly, people are starting to get a little bit antsy about this so-called economic recovery. We also saw a big sell-off in the stock market yesterday. Now, I say so-called economic recovery because I think it's more a function of stimulus than it is actual structural economic recovery. As I've been saying on this podcast all along, this is why I think a sudden pivot to tight monetary policy is pretty unlikely. This drunk U.S. economy needs the booze being supplied by the Fed to keep the party going. Basically, Americans are spending money created by the Fed and handed out by Uncle Sam on stuff they didn't produce. I mean, just look at the trade deficit. It continues to flirt with record territory. The trade deficit was $71.2 billion in May. That was up 3.14% over April. But just shy of the record $75 billion trade deficit we saw in March. Now, None of this screams healthy, recovering economy, right? So let's take a look at the labor market because I think it reveals just how out of whack the economy really is right now. First off, people keep filing for unemployment. U.S. jobless claims last week came in at 373,000. That was a tick up from the week before, but it was a big miss from the 350,000 that was expected. And it's worth noting that we're still seeing about 100,000 more unemployment claims every single week than what we had during a typical pre-pandemic week. Last Friday, we got the June non-farm payroll report. The media tended to spin this as a pretty darn good jobs report, focusing on the headline number of jobs created. I'm using air quotes around created because, you know, these aren't really new jobs, right? Like It's not like the economy is pumping out new jobs. These are old jobs that went away during the pandemic, and now they're coming back. So it would probably be more accurate to call this job restoration uh, than job creation. At any rate, despite the addition of a better than expected 850,000 jobs in June, the unemployment rate actually ticked up to 5.9%. The anticipation was that unemployment would drop to 5.6%. So most of the headlines focused on the 850,000 new jobs and then kind of glossed over the fact that unemployment actually went up. 
Now, when I saw that uptick in unemployment, I assumed that the labor force participation rate probably was up a bit as well. That happens sometimes when the labor market is recovering. People who had given up looking for jobs will come back off the sidelines and start looking for jobs. So even though they weren't working before, they weren't counted as unemployed because they weren't even trying to find a job. Once they start job hunting again, then they're put back on the record as being unemployed. So sometimes you can see unemployment tick up even as the labor market is recovering. People are coming off the sidelines. But that's not what happened. The labor force participation rate actually stayed exactly the same. So it wasn't that more people started looking for jobs and skewed the unemployment number up. Simply put, of the people who are in the job market, less of them are working today. Now, here's where things get really, really weird. This is the first line from a Reuters article that I saw this week. U.S. job openings edge higher in May and hiring dipped, a sign that the economy could be struggling with labor shortages. What? So we have unemployment going up, but there's a labor shortage? You know, it's almost like people don't really want to work. It's almost as if people would rather hang out at home and collect enhanced unemployment. I mean, you'd almost think that those kinds of incentives actually, I don't know, matter. You know, I really think this is just indicative of how distorted the economy is right now. The labor market isn't the only thing that the government has tinkered with over the last year plus, right? You've had this massive government intervention into virtually every aspect of the economy. You've had trillions of dollars in government stimulus. You've got all of these programs that the government and the Fed created during the pandemic. You have all of this money printing and bond buying by the central bank. The result result of all this intervention is a bizarro world economy. A bizarro world economy where you have high unemployment and hiring shortage at the same time. There are all kinds of misallocations and malinvestments in the economy right now from the bond market to the stock market. Whenever the powers that be decide it's time to quote unquote normalize things, all of this mess is going to have to unwind. And that's exactly why they're going to make every excuse in the book not to normalize as long as they possibly can. I think one of the most interesting stories this week came out of the International Monetary Fund. IMF Managing Director Kristalina Georgieva undercut Fed Chair Jerome Powell. Now, of course, Powell continues to insist that inflation is, say it with me, transitory. But Georgieva came out this week and warned of a sustained inflation rise in the United States. Now, I don't think she's being unreasonable if you just look at the numbers. The CPI in January was up 0.3%. It was up 0.4% in February. Uh, it's 0.6% in March, 0.8% in April, and then 0.6% again in May. If you add up the inflation increases through just the five for, uh, first five months of 2021, it comes to 2.7%. And if you annualize that number through the end of the year, the inflation rate would be around 6.5%. Now, that's a little bit above the mythical Fed 2% target, eh? So, 
I've been saying for a while that I don't think rising prices are solely due to the reopening of the economy or supply chain problems or whatever other excuses Powell wants to throw out there. In other words, maybe not so much transitory. In fact, a lot of people in the mainstream don't really seem to believe Powell either. I mean, he's selling the transitory narrative for all he's worth, but a lot of people aren't buying what he's peddling. In fact, I read this week that Goldman Sachs is starting to talk about $2,000 gold again. Why? Because inflation isn't transitory, but it is just going to be moderate as we move down the road. So it's kind of the best of both worlds, right? We'll get a little inflation because, you know, paying just a little bit more for everything is a good thing. That's what Janet Yellen said a few weeks ago. And the Fed won't have to take any big steps to fight inflation because it's not going to really get out of control. We might just see some, you know, maybe a little tightening sometime down the road, but, but not right now. This is what I think the mainstream is generally thinking. They think that the Fed is eventually going to tap on the brakes to deal with inflation and the economy might slow down a tad, but ultimately the central bankers will be able to kind of stay in the middle of the road and everything is going to be ducky. But I think the folks over at the IMF are a little bit more concerned. Georgieva is talking about persistent inflation that could force the Fed to start raising rates and rolling back its quantitative easing, leading to a, quote, sharp tightening of financial conditions around the world and, quote, significant capital outflows from emerging and developing economies. She said uh, this would pose a major challenge, especially to countries with large external financing needs or elevated debt levels in the United States. So it always comes back to this question. What is the Fed actually going to do? Not what is Jerome Powell saying. What is the Fed actually going to do. I think the IMF is right about inflation not being transitory, but they haven't even figured out yet that the Fed won't do anything about it, at least not immediately, because the Fed simply can't tighten. Now, understand, I'm talking about you know near medium term here. Let's be honest, at some point, the Fed is going to have to step in and tighten. I mean, you can't have extraordinary monetary policy forever. I, I, I mean, I don't think you can. But I think they're going to him and haw and put it off as long as possible. And when they finally are forced to acknowledge inflation is an actual problem, it's going to be too late. Their little rate hikes won't do anything to dull rising prices. But of course, it will derail the phony economic recovery. You know, here's the big ugly elephant in the room. The U.S. economy can't handle the high rate environment necessary to tame inflation. The Federal Reserve boosted interest rates modestly to 2.5% back in 2018, you will will recall, and all hell broke loose. The stock market crashed, and the Fed was forced back to loose monetary policy even before the coronavirus pandemic. So if the economy couldn't handle higher rates in 2018, how can it handle higher rates today? It couldn't handle 2.5% then, And today, we have much more debt than we did back then. I mean, the the national debt is like, what, $4 trillion more than it was then? It might even be more than that at this point. Of course, it's not just government debt. Corporations have levered up. Individuals have levered up. The entire economy is riddled with debt, or I 
I should say, supported by debt. I mean, that's the basis of whatever recovery we've seen. And when it comes to the government, it's nowhere near finished with borrow and spend, right? I saw this week that Biden wants a bunch of money for free two-year community college. and That program will go on forever and ever. And of course, we still have an infrastructure deal in the works. So yeah, go ahead and raise interest rates, Fed. That, that'll be interesting. And here's another thing. We're not talking about nudging up rates, you know, 50 or 75 basis points if we're really talking about the Fed clamping down on rising prices. I mean, think about what Paul Volcker had to do to tame inflation back in the 1980s. The economy would implode with that kind of interest rate. Heck, I think it would probably implode if the Fed pushed rates to even, say, 1%. So, Here's where we are. The U.S. government and the Fed have massively intervened in the economy for over a year and a half. And keep in mind, we never really unwound the massive intervention from 2008. And this intervention was even more massively massive. The only way they can keep air in this bubble is to keep right on intervening. The party has to go on with more booze supplied by our good friends over at the Federal Reserve. But it looks like we're getting close to the tipping point where all the problems caused by the intervention are coming to a head. I mean, you can only get so drunk, right? At some point, it goes from, ooh, fun drunk, to, oh, crap, I'm a freaking alcoholic. And at that point, you've either got to stop drinking or die. The question is, how long will it be before the economy gets to the stop drinking or die crossroads? How long can they keep this going? Now, honestly, I'm shocked that they've kept it going for so long. I mean, I really am. I I wouldn't have predicted that they would be able to keep kicking the can down the road as long as they have. And at this point, I wouldn't be shocked if they managed to keep it going longer because, I mean, they've managed this long, right? But mark my words, we will reach that crossroads, whether it's six months from now or two years from now. The scary thing is the longer it takes to get there, the worse it's going to be. Every day this drags on, there is more money created out of thin air. The Fed balance sheet gets bigger. There's more debt in the economy. There are more malinvestments. The higher we fly, the harder we crash. The drunker we get, the worse the hangover. So, as always, I ask this question every week. Are you ready? If not, a shift gold precious metal specialist can help you get ready. Give them a call at 1-888-GOLD-160. Shoot them an email at info at shiftgold.com. These guys are fantastic. They can look at your individual situation, your goals, your portfolio, and help you see how precious metals can help you uh, as you move forward and try to protect your wealth for whatever's coming down the road. So that is a gold wrap for this week. You can get more details on all of these stories and more. And of course, keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week at shiftgold.com slash news. We've got a new writer that is contributing to the uh, site uh, that's doing some really in-depth breakdowns of things like comics. And uh, he did an article on the trade deficit with a lot of graphs, really kind of digging deep into the numbers. So you can check that out. If you haven't done it already, you can subscribe to this podcast, the Friday Gold Wrap, over at iTunes. Uh, We're on the Shift Gold YouTube channel. We're on Stitcher. Other places, you'll find links in the show notes page. I appreciate you very much listening to the show. I hope you have a fantastic week, and I'll talk to you again next week.